This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Content is Profit, hosted by Luis and Fonzi Camejo, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. Discover the secrets and strategies of how your business can achieve the frictionless sale. They talk about frameworks, strategies, tactics, and bring special guests to bring you all the information you need in order to turn your content into profit. Recent episode, The Power of Just One Big Marketing Idea and How to Get It, really brings home this idea that instead of chasing the idea of the week, really lock in on one big idea to differentiate your business. That can make all the difference in the world. Listen to Content is Profit wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz. My guest today is Ben Congleton. He's the Chief Executive O-Larker and co-founder of O-Lark Live Chat. For the last 13 years, he's helped thousands of organizations communicate with visitors on their websites, including many small businesses. So Ben, welcome to the show. John, it's a pleasure to be here. So we were talking before we got started, the space, website, chat, bots, you know, we're going to get into all that. But Olark was really early on, like maybe before anybody, right? We were early. Yeah. We're back when it was technically hard to do. I think things yeah. have gotten a lot easier since then. And, you know, there's a lot of people in the space. But I think, you know, as a company that hasn't raised a lot of money and is kind of focused on being that growing small business, we're still here. We're still at it. And yeah. there's a lot of exciting things we're working on. What did you do? I'm curious what you did in your previous life that had you say, I'm going to start a website chat company. That's a good story. It's, there's like the long version and the short version of that story. So I'll try to condense it down for you. The quick version of the story is in 2000, 1999, 1998, I started a web hosting company. Okay. And back then there was just a couple of live chat providers on the market. In fact, one of them was this Israeli company called Human Click. And Human Click ended up getting bought by LivePerson and taking and becoming the technical backend for everything that LivePerson has done. So all their engineering is now based in Israel. At that time, they discontinued all the good SMB solutions. So it was only like really kind of yeah. unstable, janky PHP things that weren't very good. And so I had that experience in the late 90s. And then 10 years later, I had this consulting firm and still had the web hosting company kind of going and was looking around at projects to do and decided to go after failing at a couple of other ideas and looked at like, oh, let's look at chat again. And this was 2009, 2008, and not a lot had changed in the last 10 years. There's still basically the same five players. They're all focused on enterprise, Fortune 500, Comcast. And I wondered like, hey, now that we've gained a little bit of skill, can we go back in a, as if in a time machine and build that tool that we needed 10 years ago. And, and I think we did a pretty great job of that. We built something that was so easy to install that anyone could put it on a website. I think arguably we kind of defined how chat works on the internet today. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's a big accomplishment. So go back to, I guess, that 2008, you know, what was startup life? like at that point. I mean, you know, everybody's envisioning the like teams of engineers sitting around, but I'm getting the sense it was like you and another coder. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I have a computer science degree. I got a master's in computer science, but I've always been stronger on the business side. And so in 2008, I mean, it's funny, right? Because that was another kind of recession year, right? Yeah, but yeah. as someone who was- Wait, coming, another reception. 
We're not going. <laughs> well, back. I guess we are calling it a recession yet, but yeah, <laughs> not right. yet, right? But all right, well, we'll see what happens. But point being is, yeah, it was just me and a couple of friends, and we had just been in in college, and yeah. I was working on a PhD, and I had this consulting firm on the side, I had this hosting company kind of running, and it was really just you know hacking away on Sunday and just working on just writing code, trying to create an MVP before people had terms for things like that and getting something out the door that we could start playing with and showing the people. And it was basically a completely free product for a year before we had yeah. any monetization scheme. Cause I'm pretty bad at, uh, monetization and revenue. Like I would say the things that I care about are product and solving yeah. problems. Like that's what gets me up in the morning. That's what I'm excited about. That's, you know, the thing that I get to do basically every day. Cause you know, you build a company, right? You've been at this for a while. Like you talk to people and they're like, Oh, like why haven't you sold this thing or whatever? I mean, I, I think about it. Like I get to work with really smart people working on important problems that I care about doing meaningful work. That's all I really want to do in this life. And I think yeah. that if I can do that and make impact for our customers and you know, innovate and do new things, like I'm pretty happy. And so, yeah, we got some excited things that we're working on now that, you know, keep me up at night and that's fun that's a fun place to be. well don't get ahead of me because i'm gonna ask you that one but was there what was the point where you and maybe you haven't got there yet what was the point where you said i think this is gonna work you know i uh, people are paying us i think we. yeah that's a really funny story I mean, you know, maybe we haven't got there yet like i am i'm like the most optimistic person but i'm also like deeply fearful right like i you know i, I mean i think that we're as a small business as a provider in this space up against giants with millions and millions of dollars like i think that i don't know i don't think anyone's safe i mean look at slack right slack is a product that was arguably super successful and they still felt they had to go sell it to salesforce in order to have a long-term home and so i think yeah. that like i i don't the macro level story is like i don't think you're really ever there at least i don't feel that way some other companies might from a like early days standpoint i mean we were right out of college we were used to making like thirty thousand dollars a year and that was good like that was like you got the fellowship right that was what you're getting paid as a grad student and I think this guy's now make 50 to kind of account for inflation. You know, I, I think when we got to the point where we could hire our first employee was a pretty big milestone because Olark was, Olark was kind of a weird company. Like we, we went through Y Combinator in 2009. We raised a total of $85,000. That includes the money that Y Combinator gave us. So Y Combinator gave us 25000 and then we raised another sixty from yeah. just like a friend's dad, an early Google guy, and like a couple of people we met through the YC network. And so we had a little bit of money so we could pay rent and buy food. And we just kind of sat there in a house and did that, the old version of the startup story where you don't need a bunch of money and just yeah. sat there in a house and built things for our customers and shopped at Costco. Like that was basically what we did for the first couple of years. And when we got to the point where we could hire our first employee, like that was pretty exciting. We would have this graph like that we get emailed out every day. Be like, we hit this line in the graph, we're gonna go buy a grill so we can sit out back and grill. <laughs> like those are the kind of revenue targets we're targeting. <laughs> That's awesome. So so other than the fact that you've now got a lot of competitors in the space, how has chat evolved, maybe even from a consumer behavior standpoint? That's a it's a really interesting question to ask. I think arguably I, want, I don't want to say that the well has been poisoned, but I think that the act in the early days, right, when you got a little chat box in the lower right-hand corner and what we innovated was really saying where there's going to be a person there to talk to you on the other end of it. Yeah. A lot of folks yeah. like would just have that and you'd click and be like, oh, no one's here. But we were, ours would always be accurate. 
And so we really wanted to set the expectation that like as a customer, if someone says they're there, they're there and you can go like talk to them and get a question answered. And that's better than the phone. It's better than waiting on hold. It's, you know, a direct line to someone who can actually help sell you the good, solve your problem. And I think that what has happened over time is that more and more folks have added little things in that lower right hand corner that don't actually get you to a person. And I think that is damaging holistically to user behavior across like these things. Cause they've become like many folks have kind of turned them into little qualification bots and there's right. nothing wrong with a qualification bot, but there is something wrong from my opinion of a qualification bot that there's never going to be a person there because some folks kind of act like there's a person there. And I know like drift is pretty well known company in yeah. space. I think they basically coined the idea that you could have like a little thing over here that never routed to a human being. And, and it's so easy, it's so much easier to sell that because you don't have to staff it and it's just like yeah. magic, but yeah. it actually changes all the customer behavior because you sure. aren't going to answer 10 questions if you can't actually talk to a person on the other end of it. So yeah, I think that's one challenge it's, that the space is facing. It's interesting. It's, it's a tool that was actually created as a service that a lot of people have turned into friction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm always curious to figure out how to reduce that friction as much as possible. Yeah. And, you know, from the business side, right, it kind of makes sense, right? Because the business is, oh, this is a cost center. This is, you know, talking to my customers, it's expensive. I think that is one way of looking at the one mindset you could use. The other mindset you could use is every person that I communicate with is a relationship that I'm building. I'm, build, I'm recruiting people to my team. I'm trying to like yeah. build an ecosystem of folks that believes in me. And I think that the way you approach communicating with your customers and showing that you're different and showing that you care is the way that all of us differentiate in this incredibly busy yeah. world that we live in. I mean, why is anyone in business? They're in business to serve their customers. And so let's think about like how I can effectively serve my customer. How can I wow them? How can I show them that I actually care? And, you know, that real-time communication is probably about as good as it gets in the sense that, like, no one's going to call your 1-800 number and pick up the phone every time, right, anymore. Like, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes yeah. it's a challenge to find the phone number on the website. Yeah, right? no, I think <laughs> I think that most have disappeared. And if you're lucky, you at least get a chat that'll route you to a person occasionally. Yeah. I mean, it's short-term versus long-term play. And now a word from our sponsor. Marketers are a key part of business. Uh, funny I would say that, right? But that's because we own the conversation with our customers. And having tools that help us have meaningful conversations with our customers at scale, all while maintaining a personal touch, is our white whale. Point solutions can be easy to set up, but difficult to manage and maintain. And all of a sudden, you find yourself with disconnected teams and data, leading to poor customer experience. Yikes. HubSpot is an all-in-one CRM platform that is impossible to outgrow and ridiculously easy to use, meaning you never have to worry about it slowing you down. That's because HubSpot is purpose-built for real businesses, businesses that test and learn, pivot and push, and do it all again next quarter. With customizable hubs and tools that you can add or subtract as you grow, HubSpot is ready to help you stop chasing the white whale and start connecting with your customers at moments that matter most. Learn how HubSpot can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. So we're talking about the evolution, but you know, what's the emergence of AI? You know, and 
you know, bot technology, which is often driven by AI sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, you know, what's that doing to the space? Well, I think it's interesting. I think I went to this talk uh, a couple of years ago, South by Southwest, and I had like, you know, the guy who created Siri and a couple of uh, other AI yeah. folks talking. And I mean, what I like to do is use a thought experiment. Well, just imagine that Google has the best stuff, right? Imagine that Google and Apple and these billion dollar companies and Microsoft, right? They basically have the yeah. best AI tech that you can possibly get and they're building personal assistance with it. Now imagine how well that stuff actually works in practice, right? Yeah. Imagine like the breadth of questions you can ask Siri. Now that's yeah. basically state of the art. That's as good as it's gonna get. Everyone else is selling a dream of trying to yeah. get to that thing using tech from OpenAI, which is funded by Microsoft, using yeah. tech from Google and Amazon and Dialogflow and all this various like NLP processing. So I would argue the state of the art is still getting there. And there's a lot of people that are selling the dream. And you can probably go look at like live person stock price, which is down yeah. probably sub 20%, it's down 20% from where it was like maybe five years ago or something like that. So, so like they've been betting on this. I think that the, uh, uh, there are some cool stuff happening with AI, but arguably most implementations of AI at this point is basically intent detection, which means I can take yeah. something you write in text. Yeah. Did you, did I you say yes or no? <laughs> oh, if sorry. you said yes, yeah. well, well, no, I was going to yeah, say it's yes you, or no, but it can get more. It can get better than that. It can get better, course, that, right? It could be That's like, cool. what are you asking about, right? Like, if yeah. I say, like, you know, I'm looking for a new car, it can probably determine I'm looking for I'm looking for a car in a more confident way than just looking for the keyword car. So that yeah. that works pretty well, and that's some you know AI tech supported by Google and Amazon, and that that's more or less state art of what chatbots are using today. And then you can also build trees where you take, you know, a series of questions and you move through them. You can think of them as kind of like phone trees with a better UI because it's like way easier to like navigate through a series of questions. You can have phone trees where some nodes in those tree are a plain text answer. And that can solve, and that stuff can solve real business problems. And I think yeah. that if you have that kind of interaction, then you have context around what's actually going on inside your company. Like are folks available? Are there experts on this topic? You know, is this person coming in on a high value ad campaign? Maybe I don't want to run them through this like complicated flow and I want to just get them over to a salesperson ASAP. You can build some pretty great stuff. Let's talk about the emergence of SMS in this equation. I've mm -hmm. noticed a number of the chat related kind of com companies are really focused on driving people to text off the mm -hmm. website, you know, off the yep. website chat, but to text. Where do you stand on that. I think it's a use case question. I think it's like, what, what are you trying to achieve with that goal? I understand why marketers like it, right? Because marketers want another channel that they can get folks to listen to you on. And email yeah. is saturated, right? right? SMS is not yet saturated. It'll get there. You know, we'll have better <laughs> spam prevention, et cetera. Like, you're already seeing some of the stuff happening on phones today, right? Of making it harder for yeah. unknown numbers to text you and handshake stuff required to use that SMS stuff. So I think that the the main reason from a business standpoint is businesses like it because now I got a phone number and I have a way of getting your attention, right? That's the main consume. value for the business. The consumer but don't can kind like of benefit I mean, a little I'm, bit. I'm there yeah. on the phone anyway, you know, doing yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So the consumer side, it, it's a little bit, it, it's interesting, right? So if I'm on a mobile device, right? Like SMS is going to probably be a better way for me to communicate with your business than over, right. than over the web chat. Form, like, quite yeah, right. honestly, right. right. 
Yeah. But if yeah. you're doing B2B, you're probably not on a phone doing it. Like a consumer, yeah. I think is primarily like, it's a good consumer. While like Facebook, who seems to have lost a lot of our trust, right? Like had their little floating thing, their floating messenger, messenger widget yeah. in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. It was basically accomplishing that same SMS goal, yeah. you know, is mostly adopted inside e-commerce for transactional things. Again, <laughs> because marketers really like the ability to target based on the, the information you get from filling out that. So I think that... Yeah. I think that the use of SMS and the use of Facebook are largely driven by marketer behavior rather than consumer behavior. But okay. I think that there are some use cases where SMS makes a ton of sense. I think when you're dealing with online, offline transactions, it makes a ton of sense. Like if I'm hiring a, like a service that's going to come to my house or a plumber or things like that. I think if I'm buying things on a website, and I just want to have some, for a one-off transactional situation as a consumer, I don't think SMS makes a ton of sense as a business. Obviously, I want to be able to re-engage you via the SMS channel. So it's, yeah, it's interesting. I think when Olark looks at this, we, you know, we're working towards having way better SMS support. I think the use cases that we care mostly about are the longer-term relationship use cases for SMS. Though I think that there's plenty of marketing tools for just blasting out an SMS. We sure, want to be the sure. tool that helps you create those lasting relationships and like a little bit less automated, a little bit more personal, that type of so, so where you really staked your claim is the person that's going to put this tool on the website with the idea that you're going to build relationships and have pretty much real-time conversations with a real human being. That's what I want to do. I mean, that's what I care yeah. about. Like, I mean, I think ultimately, like, what's the point of business? I think it's a series of relationships that you have with others sure. and you want those relationships to be positive. And so that's the part of the problem that I want to work on as an individual. And I think that that's the, that's the company that, you know, as founder, as a bootstrap founder, I've gotten the luxury of being able to build up around me. Yeah. Let's talk about accessibility a little bit. You know, yeah. What role do, do does a chat play for somebody that might have sight or hearing or you know other issues that make the traditional web not as navigable? Mm -hmm. I think that broadly speaking, like chat is one of the most powerful accessibility tools you could possibly have if done right. I think that part of what's been going on with Olark recently is that uh, for a long time, we had this mission to make business human. And I think it took us a while to figure out what that actually meant. But over the last couple of years, we've incorporated as a public benefit corporation to advance accessible tech. Mm -hmm. We've become more active in that community and learned how much we have to learn. Like there's a lot to learn around like doing accessibility well and doing it right. It's far more than a checkbox and an audit, which I think that many folks kind of approach that sure. as. And so when I look at you know, chat on a website, I think about like, this is a communication channel, right? This is a channel that I think arguably anyone should be able to use to communicate with anyone. And so if you're trying to figure out, you know, if you're vision impaired, like how do you communicate using this channel? If you're using a screen reader, how do you communicate using this channel? If you are, you know, mobility impaired, like how do you simplify that UI and that navigation inside of it? And I think that list goes on and on. So there's a lot there's a lot there that you can do that we can control inside that little box in the right hand yeah. corner. We can't control everything else that's on your website, right? But yeah. I think we can control that channel and we can also allow you to hire folks on the other end that uh, can staff it that have lower vision. And I think that's kind of the journey I've been on recently where I realized how few of these tools 
that may meet accessibility standards. Like there's a bunch of standards out there. The most well-known is WCAG. You can go look that up, but a lot of standards around that, but to actually make the operator experience accessible well, so you can actually hire folks who are visibility impaired or, you know, it's kind of inside that space. To me, like that's when you start creating some real wins. And that's sort of like the direction I'm trying to take this company. So you alluded to stuff you're working on. Maybe you just talked about it there, but what's coming for Olark if you're out there looking at Well, there's at a couple of things that I think are new and exciting for Olark. Like one is we're kind of on this journey right now to be a leader in accessible communication. I can't say we're anywhere near that today, but that's kind of where I want to take the company. I think that we're going to see over the next couple of years, a lot of regulation around accessibility. We're seeing digital ADA already enforced. We're seeing some legislation being passed in Europe. And I think there's a real opportunity to not just check the boxes, but really show how far you can go there. So that's one kind of tenet of yeah. where we're headed. The other place that we're headed in this is that, you know, we talked a lot about automation on this call and about, you know, state of the art of AI. We're interested in kind of doing more of that. We've done a lot of AI. We have a tier, it's called our pro tier for Olark. And so we've worked with folks basically building, doing, I wouldn't call them like custom bots, but a lot of tailor, like a lot of tailoring of that AI tech and machine learning tech to help yeah. people solve problems and make it simple for the end user. We be able to work with non-tech customers and really help them realize their vision. And I think that's something we've been doing some of, and we're going to be doing a lot more of. I love the concept of like, if I, if someone can sketch something on a piece of paper, like a workflow or a process. It should be that simple. That's how easy it should be for someone non-technical to have their vision realized via an automation. And then the third thing I think that's going on is adding more channels. I mean, we've talked a little bit about SMS. SMS is really on our list for the first additional channel that we're adding. We've been rebuilding our operator experience to make it not like a tacked on thing, but like a core piece of how Olark communicates with folks. And as part of that operator work, we've also been investing heavily in accessibility to make it accessible. but. Once we get those initial pieces in place, you basically have, uh, I would call it like a like an AI enabled user interface that is incredibly accessible that works multi-channel. And that's kind of, I think it's kind of like where things need to go with the key piece being like, there's a human in the loop. We're not just trying to build some system that you like stick there and put in the corner. It just like magically builds relationships. With your you customers. never We're have to, to talk to anyone again. <laughs> there's plenty of people selling that, John. There are plenty of people selling that dream. And to me, that is, I don't have the metaphor on the tip of my tongue for it, but I think it's, it is not the road that you want to be on as a small business entrepreneur. If you want to go build Comcast from five years ago, 10 years ago, and create that kind of customer service for your customers, and you happen to have a monopoly, like I think you will be doing great at driving your costs down. But I think ultimately your customers and your relationships with your customers are the largest asset of your business. And your job as an entrepreneur, as a founder, as a small business owner is to leverage that asset to generate as much value as possible. And that comes through deep relationships. Awesome. Well, Ben, thanks for stopping by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. You want to tell people or invite people where they can connect with you? Yeah, you can. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So you can just add me on LinkedIn. Say you saw me here because I get tons of requests. But if it's coming in from John, like on, or from John's audience, I, I know you guys. I want to talk to you. So you can message <laughs> me there. You can follow me on Twitter at JM and Ben. Um, or just, you know, drop by Olark.com and, and talk to someone there and just ask for me. Yeah. Like we're staffed. We got people there. You know, I can pretty easy to get in touch with for if you want to chat more. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking out time of your day to stop by and hopefully we'll run into you one of these days soon out there on the road.
Absolutely. John, it's been a pleasure. Hey, and one final thing before you go, you know how I talk about marketing strategy, strategy before tactics. Well, sometimes it can be hard to understand where you stand in that, what needs to be done with regard to creating a marketing strategy. So we created a free tool for you. It's called the Marketing Strategy Assessment. You can find it at marketingassessment.co, not .com, .co. Check out our free marketing assessment and learn where you are with your strategy today. That's just marketingassessment.co. I'd love to chat with you about the results that you get.